all the hurdles in my life were never God, right? It's never God thinking too small or God not seeing how to do that or God not having enough resources. It, it's me. So as I can change me, I can more greatly impact the kingdom. And that's true of all leaders. Welcome to the Send Columbus podcast, a podcast designed to share strategies and stories about planting churches in the city. Your hosts are Church Planting Catalyst, Chad Grigsby, and Sin City Missionary, Dean Foltz. Welcome back to the Send Columbus podcast. I'm Chad Grigsby, and here with me is Dean Foltz. Dean, how are you doing today? Doing very well, very well. Good day for the uh, good day for the podcast today because we got a very special guest. Very special guest. Uh, why don't you introduce him for us? Our guest today is Rich Halcom. He is the director of the Metro Columbus Baptist Association, but he has had numerous dubious titles in his <laughs> yeah. lifetime. We may go into some, we may not go into some on this podcast today. But Rich, we're glad to have you with us. Hey, sure. Should probably put dubious before various, but uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, Rich and I have known each other uh, since I was really, really young. Uh, actually, uh, Rich was good friends with my older siblings in um, South Point, Ohio, which we refer to as the hub of the world. Everything yes. revolves around the cradle of life. Rolling metropolis. <laughs> so, Rich, we are thrilled, man, that you are. Uh, you are here with us. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Rich, uh, a little bit about your call to ministry and how you actually ended up in Columbus. Yeah, it's great to be here today. I was born in Washington, D.C., uh, the nation's capital. My dad's family's from there. My mom lived there for a while, worked for the Navy Department. And then when I was in third grade, started third grade there, and then we moved to Huntington, West Virginia, which is where my mom was from, then lived in another place in Huntington. So I was in three different schools in the third grade and then moved to just down the road from Dean to start the fourth grade, summer before my fourth grade year. You went to three different schools in third grade alone? Yeah. And then a fourth school in the fourth grade. Wow. Yeah. Trying to find the opportunity for him to pass and get out of the third grade was not, <laughs> not yeah. an easy option. <laughs> yeah. But you know, as I look back on that, that had a lot of bearing on what I do today. Because in D.C., in my second grade class, I was the only white boy in there, right? Wow. African-American teacher. Our friends were African-American. Uh, my babysitter was African-American. That's just, we had a word for that. It was just called normal. I didn't know any other mm -hmm. thing. So going from there to Appalachia <laughs> was... <laughs> a culture adjustment. Quite, yeah, quite a bit different. Let me just say that. Um, now, he mispronounced that word. By the way, it's Appalachia. Where we're Appalachia. from, it's Appalachia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they had a lot of words I didn't know at all in uh, <laughs> Appalachia. I grew up, had four younger brothers, two of them, youngest two special needs. One of them, they were identical twins. One of them got up to about a three-year-old level mentally. The other, about a one-year-old level mentally. Uh, a lot of poverty. I would say abject poverty, food stamps, the whole deal. Church helped us a lot. People that love the Lord, love Jesus. Where we went to church helped us with food, with clothes, a lot of other stuff. So uh, one of the guys who went there actually went to Berea College, and nobody in my family had ever gone to college on either side. They may have stopped for lunch, but I mean actually taking classes, you know, <laughs> tests, that kind of thing. Uh, so that's where I landed uh, and met Tina, my wife, and then 
We moved to Fort Worth, Texas after that to go to seminary, go to graduate school at Southwestern. Had a great experience there. And then came back and pastored an inner city church in Columbus. So this may sound like I'm getting off track here, but all of this really has a bearing on, on what I'm doing today. So that inner city church was different than anything I had experienced. So even inner city DC, and we did live inside the Capitol Beltway, Appalachia. Uh, so a lot of poverty, a lot of things in an inner city setting you wrestle with that outside the inner city people don't even think about, right? A whole different way of thinking processing information. So I went from that church to Dublin Baptist Church. So in central Ohio at that time, it was like the poorest area to the wealthiest area. Wow. To both ends of the spectrum. So the polarities when I was young, inner city DC to Appalachia, polarities, right? Opposite ends. And then poverty to uh, folks that did well in life. Then from there, I went to Champion Forest Baptist Church in Houston, Texas which at that time was the 75th largest church in America. Um, great place. Mm. So I started working on my personal mission and um, realized that God had done a lot of things in my life that he wanted to express maybe in a different way. Mm. So I felt really like God was calling me somewhere else, but I wasn't sure where. And it was one of the greatest churches in America, right? So it wasn't the church. It was just um, kind of a holy restlessness in me to see that God wanted me to do something else. So about that time, the person in his previous position retired and that committee was looking for somebody to take over the director's role. And two people independent of each other called me about that. <clears throat> so I really felt like at that time, it was the 15th largest city in the US, very multicultural, which had a lot of appeal to me. Um, at that time, there were 76 churches on the list, some we're in various stages of decline. Uh, but really felt like God could use my life to a larger impact here in Central Ohio. So that's why I really came. It, it aligned more clearly with my personal mission and the impact was bigger. So Champion Forest, you know, we had lots of ministries. We had buildings in Kenya that we had built and I had taught there and had a uh, ministry at Greens Point and were part of uh, some inner city work there. But even when I was in the Houston area, we were, it was Northwest Houston. I remember driving around, seeing street signs in Vietnamese or Chinese, wondering, wonder what they're doing, you know? Mm. So with a church like that, most of your time's occupied right there. So you, there's, there's a whole lot going on that you have to navigate. So there wasn't time to get out and kind of see what else is going on, see what you can get going in other places. So that's really sort of how I landed here almost 17 years ago now. Yeah, thanks for sharing your story, Rich, because I think there's a connection between your story and your calling. And I think a lot of planters don't always make that connection, that how God's actually shaped them growing up and where they've lived, like you shared, actually affects what he's calling them to do in church planting and what, what kind of church he's leading them to plant. So thank you for making that connection between your experience and your life and your story with your call. Yeah. And in your couple of almost couple of decades now of leadership of our network of churches in here, and you, you meant when you said there were 75 churches, you meant particularly 75 churches inside of our, inside of our network. And man, that has increased so much, you know, since then and 
you've helped plant so many churches, including uh, including our church, uh, and continue just to kind of walk alongside us. So really, at what a couple of years ago, you were working both doing Metro Columbus and doing Stowe Mission at the same time was the CEO of Stowe Mission, which is kind of a the way that our network of churches come together to serve the city kind of uniquely uh, through the mission emphasis there at Stowe. You began to think about um, this thing called leader increase. And I think it was kind of a, uh, a correlation um, or maybe an aggregate is a better way to say that of the different mission or mission and ministry opportunities you've had throughout throughout your life. And so just talk a little bit about what you're doing with uh, leader increase. Yeah, so we resource leaders to achieve kingdom results personally, interpersonally, and organizationally. If you grow the leader, you grow the church. You grow the leader, you grow the organization. And you guys know as leaders, both of you, a lot of what happens in your organization or church comes from how you view God, how you think about what he wants to do, how to get those systems and processes in place and to develop the values that kind of keep you in the lanes there, those kinds of things. So the problem, the, all the uh, hurdles in my life were never God, right? It's never God thinking too small or God not seeing how to do that or God not having enough resources. It, it's me. So as I can change me, I can more greatly impact the kingdom. And that's true of all leaders. So it's just really a, a more focused part of my personal mission. Um, you know, when I came here, I, I had a pretty clear view of what that is. And that's kind of morphed over time as I've gotten older and seen more things and had more experiences. So I, I spend most of my time with leaders, helping them. So there's a personal cohort based on the strategy of Jesus. It's personal sphere. So if you look at what Jesus's life himself, his purpose was clear before he was born physically, right? He was born with a purpose. And that's true of all of us. So if you think of the, you know, if you take the strengths finders or, um, you know, flipping, flip, flipping that uh, personal constraint theory or spiritual gifts test, any of those, anything you take, it's asking you about you, right? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? It's not asking you to dream it up. So your personal mission is discovered, not created. So in this process, we help them discover that personal mission, which Jesus had his when he was born. And then the Bible tells us in Luke 2.52, it, it's the transition point between the birth narrative, right? When Jesus was born, Luke 2, then at age 12 in the temple. And, it, and the Bible gives us his age specifically for a reason. So in Luke 2, it says that he was 12 years old in the temple. Luke 3, he was 30 years old. So an 18-year gap. But it wasn't a gap. It was filled with four things, according to Luke 2.52. Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, favor with God, favor with people. So I help guys get clear on their mission. And then how can I increase in wisdom, which is mentally, intellectually, stature, physically, favor with God spiritually, favor with others socially, emotionally. So that's kind of what we go after there. But then Jesus takes it to the next step, and he clearly identifies the organization. So Jesus was an organizational leader. Jesus possessed perfect love and he executed perfect strategy. I, I hear things that aren't true a lot. <laughs> Something like prayer isn't preparation for the strategy. Prayer is a strategy. That's not true. How do we know that's not true? Because Jesus did not only pray, right? 
if, if prayer is all there is, then that's all Jesus would have done. That's not all that he did. So I pray every day, journal most days. Now what are we going to do, right? So in Matthew 16, he identifies the reason that they're doing what they're doing. And he starts that with an opinion poll. Who do other people say that I am? Well, John the Baptist, Jeremiah. And then who do you say that I am? So that group discovered the mission in the presence of Jesus about why they were there. The same needs to be true of churches. A lot of people think they know, but it's not clear. So he clarified that, then developed a strategy. I have to go to Jerusalem and suffer and die. And that was the plan, right? Then Peter confronted him and he said, and so another thing we have to do as leaders is correct behavior, right? It, it's interesting in that passage, there are basically two kinds of conflict. One of those is interpersonal where two people are going at it. The other is organizational where somebody is violating the values of the organization. So if you look at that passage in particular, Peter was speaking up in favor of Jesus, right? He said, Jesus, I don't want you to be hurt like that. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. He didn't violate the interpersonal values. He violated the organizational values. The mission is more important than the missionary. The ministry is more important than the minister. If it weren't, then Jesus wouldn't have had to die. We never would have had martyrs. There'd be no reason to sacrifice. So it's sacrificing our lives, giving our lives for the mission that's clearly identified, but too many times it's not clearly identified. And then they don't have a system or a process to fulfill that, as Jesus did. You know, he had the 12, and he had the inner circle of the three. If you chase that inner circle all throughout the Bible, <clears throat> Peter's first. There's only four lists of the 12 apostles. Peter's first on every one of those lists and had those uh, subgroups. But they had greater impact throughout the rest of the Bible and throughout Christian history. So to help guys, leaders understand what's your organization's reason for being and then what's the plan, right? What's the work that needs to be done? What format do we need to follow? And then what's the renewal process? So when I came to the association, that's what we did to get it going real well. That's what I did when I did Stowe. What I, that's what I do with churches, help them get online there. When um, One of the things that I think is unique um, about the ministry that God has really given you here in Columbus um, is I don't, maybe it exists, but I don't know of it. Um, inside of the SEND network nationally, I don't know of anyone who has the track record that you have laid down over a long period of time of helping plant churches in the same city from a multicultural context, certainly. So as you think about what God's built into you in terms of leader increase, what is the, what is the primary challenge um, in planting churches in a mega city uh, like Columbus um, that you feel like, man, if, if I could say one thing to church planters, it would be X. So it would be the organizational leadership. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in the Bible where it talks about a pastor, it gives three words for that. So there's elder, you know, then there's the pastor shepherd, and then there's a bishop overseer. So the elder role is uh, personal spiritual disciplines, integrity, those kind of things. The shepherd role that Poi Maine is interacting with people right? Shepherding them, caring for them. But then that organizational skill sets, the oversight, clarified mission, values, correct behavior, that's the one that's missing. 
So a lot of people talk about the prayer. A lot of people talk about caring for others, but not a lot of people talk about how do you run an organization? Now, some people, you can call it an organism if you want to, but it's still an organization, right? It's a group of people. Mm -hmm. Jesus chose a group of people called the church to fulfill his mission. He didn't do it by himself. So he, his personal mission became an organizational mission, and that's why it's the largest organization in the world. The church is the largest organization, 2 billion adherents in all 197 countries because of the way Jesus set it up strategically along with love. So it's that strategic, organizational, operational mindset that's often missing. So a lot of guys think, I just need to pray more. Or if I preach a great message, people will come or, right? And that's true. So it's not a replacement for those skills. It's an additional skill set that, that's missing. You know, what would you say to someone who says, well, yeah, but I mean, we've got a mission statement, but, you know, what's on the wall is not what's going on down the hall kind of thing. Right. Um, how do you how do you fix that? When I talk about organizational leadership, it definitely includes a mission and values, but that's only the first step. Uh, you know, you can have a mission statement on the wall; it doesn't amount to a hell of beans. And really, the words in in the whole Christian world, we kind of know what it is, right? Great commandment, win people to the Lord, worship, discipleship, evangelism, that kind of thing. But organizational leadership, like just an example, of what Jesus did, he corrected behavior. So an organizational leader understands the mission and then they're operating the mission and they don't allow anything to take place outside of that mission. And if they're doing something that's helping that mission, but it's not going well enough, they adjust that for that to be better. So it's, it's a great point. And a lot of people do think that it's not just a mission statement. That's step mm -hmm. one. You need to be clear on that. But then the organizational leadership most often comes into play is how do we do that? Right? So somebody in your church is barking about something. You need to fix that, right? That needs to be brought back into line if this thing's going to go well. Or you do something in this context that you did in your last church because it worked in the last church out in Boise, Idaho somewhere, and it doesn't work in Columbus. So an organizational leader will stick a fork in that. That's the Texas term for doing <laughs> that, right? And do something that accomplishes the task more. So it's it, it's mission first as Jesus's mission was first, but then it's boots on the ground, daily decision-making to continually align everything that you're doing with what it is you said you're supposed to be doing. So if you say you're supposed to reach people with a gospel and baptize people and you haven't baptized anybody in six months, something needs to be fixed. Something's wrong. So there are things you need to stop because it's taking time and energy away from what you, and there are things you need to do in order for people to get saved. Yeah. So it's, it's what is, the mission, but then how do we measure that as Jesus did when he walked and the, the tree wasn't bearing fruit? If it's not bearing fruit next time, it's out of here, right? Mm -hmm. I remember early on in the life of our church, um, we were probably at that point, we were a couple of hundred people and a new family came and they were believers and they had been leaders at another church and I was super excited, man. We all were that they were coming and they asked to meet with me and we had made a strategic decision early on that we weren't going to try and start numerous ministries. We were going to partner with local organizations who were already doing ministries and help facilitate because they could do it better than we can. They do it full time. Why would we try and do it way, way less than part time? And um, so the meeting, they came and asked me when we were going to start a closed closet. 
And I remember the internal angst that I had. Absolutely. I thought if we say, if I say right now, we're never going to start a closed closet to my knowledge. And we're going to, we want to listen to the Lord and do whatever the Lord asks us to do. But I mean, we didn't even have space. We didn't even have a closet, let alone. So, you know, I, I, rem- I distinctly remember that feeling. And I think for church planters, you know, to say in that moment to someone, and I, and I did, I said, you know, we're, we're probably never going to do that. But I explained what our vision was. Right. And by the end of the explanation, they were like, man, that sounds great. Like, yeah. and they're still with us yeah. today, you know, 13 years later, still part of our, still part right. of our, and I think that sometimes for church planters, you feel like you have to do something for every new couple, every new family right. that comes, yeah. as opposed to trying to bring that alignment that you're talking about into, hey, here's who we are and here's who God's created us to, to be. Right. Yeah. Great example. So a couple things about that. Number one, you were clear on the vision. You knew what it was. Mm. And secondly, and I find this is true most of the time, it, and I won't say all the time, but most of the time, it's an emotional thing you have to overcome. Yep. Most guys know we're not supposed to be doing that, but it's that internal angst that they, it, one of the hardest parts of leadership is, is living with the tension, right? Living with the angst. So, you know, things I've done since I've been here, <clears throat> I knew it's the right thing to do, but nobody can see it. There's no money. There's <laughs> not even a building, right? Yeah. So, so I'm thinking all these people, this guy has lost his mind. So it'd be so much easier. And people would ask, well, why, don't, why don't you just forget it? Right? Why don't you just not do it? I can't do that. Right. But you got to live with the tension when you need a million dollars and you don't have any money. You got to figure that out. Yeah. Call Chad. That's <laughs> what I do. I yeah. call right? Chad. Yeah. Do you take credit cards? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that, that clarity of the vision that, you showed in that example there and then being clear on what that meant boots on the ground and having the emotional capacity, right? Uses increased wisdom, starts fair with God, fair with others, that emotional component to act on what you know to be right. Even when it feels like I'm going to die. Yeah. It's really good. Rich. If, um, if church planners would like some help, some uh, time, some consultation, if they'd like to interact with leader increase, um, how would they, how would they do that? What's the best way to get connected up? Uh, just email me rich at leaderincrease.com. Okay, great. Yep. Great. And I, I, the reason I say that is I was recently in an event where Rich spoke, uh, talked about organizational leadership in the context of, uh, spiritual maturity and church planting and, um, church, um, really just church health. And it was, he did a really, really great job. So I would, uh, for anybody who's listening, I would highly recommend, either personally reaching out to Rich and just letting him talk to you and talk you through situations, which he's done for me numerous times or having Rich come and speak. He does a, does a fantastic job. Rich, I appreciate you uh, taking some time with us today. We could sit sure. and talk right all day about how God's used you. And hopefully we'll just have you back as a regular, uh, as a regular guest uh, on the yeah. podcast. Yeah. I'm grateful for the partnership and, I mean, Sin Network has added incredible, inestimable value in Central Ohio. We're investing these church planters, finding them, have, have the capacity to develop these um, pipelines or these streams of people getting into the mix there, which is fantastic. So it's a great, 
great to uh, talk with you guys and just excited about the future and all the things that are going to happen in the next, you know, five, 10 years. Well, we're very thankful for you. Thankful to be able to partner together. Appreciate uh, just, just the relationship that, uh, that we have with you and uh, thanks for your time today. Hey, Chad, um, I just wanted to say thanks to Wendy's of North Central Ohio. Uh, Chad Donaldson is one of the leaders up there and they've been super kind to sponsor the podcast for us. So if you are in our neck of the woods up in uh, Central Ohio, north of Columbus somewhere, if you have the opportunity to step into Wendy's and I know they've got the four for four. That's what my four son loves. Four. He's all our in kids the like it. Four. It's a, a one cent cheaper than a Happy Meal, and feeds them for days. Come so. on, come <laughs> on. So thank, thanks a lot to Winco Company. We appreciate them sponsoring the podcast today. Thanks for checking out the Send Columbus podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and join us next time for another episode.